And now, welcome to The Approach with Jeremy Seaholm, Danny Finn. Welcome to The Approach, episode 25? I think it's 25. We're at the quarter century mark. I'm, you know, I'm asking, I guess it's a question, like I should be paying attention to how many episodes we're doing. Wouldn't it be funny if we were off by one, like around episode nine and we've just been wrong all along? <laughs> if we could go back and count. All right, so, uh, I'm your host, Jeremy Seaholm. I'm Dan Finn. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. We, who do we have in today? We have Evan Riva, as I, yeah. it was confirmed. That's how you say it. And Maddie Kelly. We do. That's a that's a good uh, that's a good duo. <laughs> that, that's a that's a power bowling couple right there. Would that be the as of right now? Is that the top bowling couple as far as score? I mean, uh, Nate and Lori. I mean, I I would honestly I don't know how many bowling couples there are. I guess we just go back and look. Sean and Kim a couple. <laughs> yeah, Sean and Kim, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's another good one. <laughs> easily top three. How about yeah, that? <laughs> uh, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk to to Maddie and Evan. We're gonna talk about the state of you know women's bowling. Yeah, Evan, Evan answers that question hard hitting right off the top. How do we get more women to bowl? Yep. <laughs> I understand the thought process behind that question, but I don't I don't think we have to ask every woman that comes on the podcast how do we get no. more women to bowl? No, I, I think I think we all we're, we just we need more people I, and and i don't want to steal evan's thunder but i think he actually and we'll get to it when he when the podcast starts he hit the nail on the on the head of, of what needs to happen overall for the game i think as far as getting the numbers back up no I, I agree he um he hit that one right on the head so we'll get uh evan and maddie in and we'll be back with spare thoughts welcome guys what's going on hello hello Thank you for having us. So, Evan, we'll get it out of the out of the way because it was one of the questions that popped up. How do we get more women to bowl? <laughs> oh, God, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I figured that question was for you. You know, I don't think it's it's along the lines of women to bowl or men to bowl. It's bowlers in general, right? Um, that's a tough question because you know I've obviously been in the bowling business for a very long time. Uh, I ran a bowling alley for seven years, and you know, just trying to get league bowlers back every year, just the bowlers that were bowling before is hard, right. let alone trying to get new bowlers. And you know, with you know, with prices going up by the string and people coming into open bowl and it's four dollars and fifty cents a string and three dollars for shoe rental, you know, it's not cheap anymore, unfortunately. And I feel like nowadays four four fifty a string is actually pretty cheap. Yeah. I think we, we're still like three fifty in Bangor. That's not bad. We do uh, time now and we do okay. thirty two dollars an hour on the weekday, $35 an hour on the weekend. Yeah. And we found like that's actually, it came out cheaper for a lot of people, not 350 cheaper, but it came out cheaper because it made people bowl and not like take their time. Mm-hmm. And that's what was killing us like February vacation. People would sit on a lane, bowl one string, order pizza, which we don't have food here. So they're giving the money somewhere else. Oh wow. And then they come up and pay 20 bucks for sitting on a lane for two hours. Exactly, yeah. So, but just getting into the whole like women bowling thing, cause I, I and this is gonna beat to both of you. So we had Amy do beyond she said it's a pure numbers game even when at the height you were saying wcbc had 300 guys 100 women you cut that by 75 percent now you're down to 25 Absolutely. women 50 50 to 75 guys mm-hmm. and then janet brought up something and this is going to be a question for both of you if you've noticed this where janet thinks that it has something to do with a lot of the women that are those middling women 
those one O's, maybe high 90s, they look at somebody like you, Maddie, and say, I can't compete. I'm not even going to try, and they don't sign up. Where I have guys in our leagues that average 88, and they think, I could take Evan and Jeremy. Yeah. Do you, do you see that at all, that some women just don't want to bowl and some guys just think they can take anybody? Is that like a testosterone thing? I mean, it might be. There's definitely, obviously, a lot more guys in it yeah. than women. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Madison, you know, Amanda Carroll, you know. Yeah. The, the, the top-tier Lori bowlers, women-wise, you know, they're very dominant. You know, yeah. most of the scratch tournaments that they have women-wise is... You know, not dominated, but it's mostly the same women winning scratch tournaments. And you know, yeah, I can see how it can get old after a while. Sorry, Madison, but you know, you know, you see Maddie Kelly all the time at the top. Or but how many times did Tommy Olsta win tournaments and people still that's different true. era, different, different era. era? But yeah. I mean, you you still had a bunch of different guys that were that were up there. But yeah. take take the the spare time ten stringer. Mm-hmm. They had a scratch version. Jeff Surratt signed up. I think he lapped the field. I remember Jeremy sent me a message. <laughs> I'm in second place. I said, uh, I said, who's in first? He said, Surrett. I said, how close are you? He said, if he goes, it was the ninth string. He said, if he goes home now, I need a 112 to beat him. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> let me just point out that I beat Surrett too. <laughs> <laughs> so that wasn't the second one, though, right? This was the first one that Surrett had, like, completely yeah, Surrett Oh, field. never mind. Yeah. The most recent one, then. That would yeah, it, uh, was it the eighth or ninth string? I thought it was the ninth, because I think he was 112 ahead of you after nine. So that's what you said. Oh, if he maybe, goes, yeah, 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 yeah. If okay. he goes home now, I need a 112 to beat him. <laughs> <laughs> If he doesn't throw a ball. So you did, uh, where did you place in that spare time 10 stringer? I think it was fifth. Now I saw, like, you get, you get shouted out a lot. Were you the only female in that, in that uh, tournament, rather? Yes. Do you think it's weird that you get shouted out a lot? Because I don't think, when you're bowling, like, you're you're averaging 123 at Exeter. You don't need to separate yourself as a female bowler. You can hang with any guy. Like, you weren't there to be the top female. You were there to win. I was there, I was there to hopefully bowl well. I mean, I came out with a 120 and then came right back with an 89. So yeah. I kind of put myself in a hole the second game. But trying to just stay consistent and uh, had a couple lucky shots. Yeah. Put me in the right spot. But do you think you get more attention thrown your way in those tournaments as a female? I think so. Um, I like to think I can hang with the guys. You absolutely can. I mean, um, there's no question. I was actually looking at it at, with Kate. Obviously, the extra season is probably not even half over. But if they if they stop now and there was no new bowlers coming in, just take the averages they have, you'd be either the third or fourth captain right now. I've told Amy since I started bowling in that league that it's been my goal to be a captain. And I've always started out super hot. And yeah. then it's tough to show up just once a month. Right. And especially, like, we're only bowling once a week. But, um... I told her that it's been my goal to be a captain, and I'm hoping this is the year that I can do it. Because well, you're what, 18 games in so far? Yeah, that's right. 18, 18 yeah. You've only bowled 12. Yeah. You'd be captain number one at this point. Right, but we're bowling yeah. twice this month. Okay, so this is time for her to catch it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we bowled twice in January, and we won't be there the first one. So you got you got a shot. So she's really got a good chance. Because <laughs> I was looking at it now, because I think Lister was two, and then I didn't do the percentage points, but then it was you and Freshie had a 123. Of course it was Freshie. And then I think Merrill had a 123, but you had the same amount of strength, so right. I, was able to, I didn't have to pull up my calculator to find out that you were above him. Right. So, I mean, I think, obviously, there's a long way to the season, but it's like you said, I don't think you have to separate yourself, like, as a female bowler. Like, you're one of the top bowlers, period. I remember even before we were talking ACST, making a co-ed, and I said to Jeremy, I said, well, think about this. If you needed to win 
10 points, and no offense to who I'm about to say, but I don't know if he listens. I said, if you had a bowl, Rob Linehan or Matty Kelly, and you needed 10 points, who would you rather bowl? He said, Rob Linehan, eight days a week. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's 100% true. So, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we were bowling right next to you when you went 409 oh, yeah. at, at Exeter the first month, and then... We bowled you guys, and you went like 130, 130, and I texted him, I'm like, holy shit, she's going to do it again. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I remember that. And then I think I followed that third string up with like a 90-something. Yeah. But. I do like that house a lot, that, and it's such a fun league. Um, it seems like everyone's like really friendly up there. Now, are you, were you a captain this year as well? No. No, you were a captain the year no, I was yeah, up there. Yeah. And you're not on the same team? Nope. There's no on rule Joey's that you guys team. have to be on the same team? No. no. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, who, which team's in first place? Uh, that's my team. Well, McGinty's team. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. I was actually looking over the roster. Kid. That team stacked. I think Aaron St. Cyr might have been the steal of that draft. That was, he was the underdog pick for sure. Yeah. Um, at the When Mike was at the draft, he was texting me like who he, who he was thinking. He was between this and that, and yeah. I'm pretty sure Aaron was his last pick. I think so, too, yeah. That was a steal of a pick. Which is great because uh, he signed up for the pro ACST League, and he yes. said, I'm just trying to get my name more out there. And it's like, to do that, then get drafted, average 120. I mean, he'd be on the captain list right now as well. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's really cool to see. You have, like, three captains on that team, potentially. Mm-hmm. Now, has Aaron always looked like a little mini Eddie Woodside? Who said that? Someone said that it on might have been Co- It might have been Corey. It was Corey. Because they were they were standing right next to each other, and he's, he's like, pointing at them, like... <laughs> <laughs> They're on the same team, right? They are, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's but, me, Mike, Eddie Woodside, Alicia Kelly, and Aaron. Yeah, that's... A, that's a, you guys are, what, like, 46 and 2 or 46 something? 46 and 2, yeah. yeah. It's that's, insane. That is insane. But let the record show that I picked Evan's team. You did pick Evan's team. I did pick Evan's team. Because I think, because I, I said Parkinson's going to be one of those steel picks. Yeah, yeah. I definitely thought so, too. Because right Parkinson anchored, and I know he had Brandon Marks on the team, and for whatever reason, he wasn't able to make a lot of weeks. I think Chris put a lot of pressure on himself last year. Yeah. And then this year, just going up there and bowling. Yeah. And not having to worry about it, and probably being the three or four bowler, not having to be the anchor. Right. I thought, well, then Jeremy said, too, because when he said it, that's a good pick as well. Yeah, no, we definitely have a good team. You know, I've been struggling bad, <laughs> bad. I, uh, when I was bowling in Bangor, I was three nights a week, four nights a week bowling, so I was easily 124, 25 average. Right. And then, you know, I came down here, and, you know, it's one night a week. And so where are you bowling outside of Exeter? Or it's just Exeter? Just, just Exeter, one Exeter. night a week. So I've seen a huge decline in my average, but... Well, it's t- I mean, we had, Steve, we had Steve Reno on the podcast. He said he was bowling five nights a week in the in his prime. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. I couldn't do that. I think you guys have said like two is the sweet spot for yeah. leagues a week. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I used to do the Tuesday Speed League at Academy, and that was my league. And then I ended up moving to Exeter. Ex- I, like I said, I love that house. I only bowled in it that one season, but it, it feels like one of those houses. Like if you really need that mark, like you can reach back and get it. Where here you do that, and you'll go right through the middle. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you guys both grow up bowling in kids' leagues? I did not. I did. No, I started bowling when I was 14. Yeah. We're finding a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to get a lot of, like, you know, I was born on a bowling alley. I mean, this, That's me. Well, yeah, I was, I was born on a bowling alley. Yeah. I think there's a very young picture of you on, is it Channel 5? Yep, that was me <laughs> with my dad. That was my TV debut at, I don't even know how old it was, maybe three months old, something like that. Still taller than Jeremy was on his TV debut. So though. technically, she made TV before Surrected. That's true. <laughs> you wow. can put that on your plaque. <laughs> no, I was, the week I was born, I think my mom brought me to Pilgrim because that's where, I mean, that's where I ended up doing my kids' league, but my mom used to do the books and handle all the money for that league, and uh, the week I was born, I just, that was my debut out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> 
And so, so it was your parents that taught you how to bowl? It was, yeah. yeah. Pretty good teachers. How, and how, who taught you how to bowl? Was it Maddie? No, it's fine. <laughs> it, it should be. It should be. No, nobody really taught me. I just kind of learned yeah. on my own. You know, I had a couple people through Bangor that brought me up pretty quickly. But, um, you know, Cole Fry was a big one for me. You know, he was a lot younger than I was, but he really got me into it. He had been bowling a long time before yeah. I even started. And I got into the kids' league with him and started bowling with him. And we won umpteen tournaments in Maine. And he's, you know, one of the obviously higher caliber bowlers right now. Right. So, no, there, he, he definitely helped me. There definitely is that upsurge of that young talent coming up. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, you see, I thought, you know, we saw it from different perspectives, but I always thought Boudreaux was way older than he was. <sighs> because by the time I started getting it, I only started bowling about eight years ago. It's the hairline. It is. Well, so when, <laughs> it I, is. when I first got into bowling, I was like, so who's the best bowlers? And I was always like Surratt and Boudreaux, uh, Baker and people like that. But Jeremy says he knows him as like this 12-year-old kid. Average. <laughs> so yeah. it's funny when I found out he was like, you know, 20, how old is he, 27 or something? 26. Yeah. I was, I see, I'm still That's trying crazy. to creep him up. Yeah. Boudreaux actually bowled in the Pilgrim League when I started. Well, that's the league I bowled in. And um, I remember Boudreaux was like 16. He already had his 400 patch. <laughs> and I was just like, don't know who this kid is. I, was, I never bowled on a team with him. Did he ever high five you when he came off the lines? No. No, the figure. No. <laughs> I, I feel like it's like the Bergeron syndrome, like, where the guy's been in the league for 75 years and he's only like 36. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? But then I remember it was just one year. I don't, I don't think he had graduated high school at that point, but he had just moved on to the pros. I mean, he was great. Yeah, he yeah. was great bowler even as a kid. But I just remember there was one year he just never came back, and then you saw his name in the big leagues, yeah, and it was really think, cool. He just. I think he just said he was bored. Yeah, well, that's one I of mean, the... I mean, I'm sure when you're throwing 400s every week in the, at Pilgrim, yeah. I'd be bored, too. Even <laughs> in our kids' league, like, we don't have a super competitive kids' league. Like, they compete with each other, but they don't, we don't have, like, any 100 average bowlers. And then they want to go do states. And one year, my oldest nephew had to go compete against Josh Daly. And yeah. he was all upset. And I said, not for nothing, because in the following year, I said, the guy you lost to, I'm now losing to. So <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell absolutely. you. Absolutely. Everyone's losing to Josh Daly right now. <laughs> but this now. was even before, you know, last year. This was even a couple years yeah. ago. You know, so, it's funny, though, when, when you talk about leagues, you know, I've always been one to say, you know, we, we talk about, you know, all these podcasts are going down. We talk about the best bowlers, and then we talk about the kids bowlers. Yeah. The way that bowling is right now, without the 70 to 100 average bowlers, there's no bowling. Right. Because there's no leagues. Yeah. So the bowling alley's shutting down. Because, I mean, bowling alleys really don't depend on their open bowling. It's mostly leagues. That's yeah. what keeps them going. And, you know, I've always just been one that when you're in a league and you're bowling against a 70 average that's not pacing you or yeah. they're cutting you off and don't get mad. Yeah. You know, they, they're trying their best. They don't know any better. Yeah. So, you know, it's tough. I saw on Facebook the other day there was a little bit of complaining about <laughs> some people and, I'm, you know, just be happy that people want to be there. Yeah. They want a, to bowl. We have a lot of, like, drinking leagues that, you know, yeah. drinking leagues that occasionally bowl, I think. Because without those people, there's no bowling. Yeah. I, I was going to say, all. take away our league tonight. That's our entire league base. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we're full almost five nights a week. Yeah, and then we have half house on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, and then they're looking at people like Jeremy who average 120, and they're like, "Hey, I want to be better, or 110, or whatever." It is. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I, I want to be better than that. Yeah. You know, that entices <laughs> them to. Right. You know, to get better. One of the things that I try to do, too, is, like, with, um, I don't do as many tournaments now that I have two two daughters, but when there was handicapped tournaments a lot of times, because I, you know, I used to go to a lot of these tournaments and travel a lot, I started grabbing house bowlers that looked like they wanted to take that next step and said, hey, let's go to Lakeside and do the Thanksgiving doubles. I mean, yeah. I did that with Eric Seeger. Yep. And now that kid's everywhere. Yeah. No, it's great. And it's I think, phenomenal. I think it's such a... 
you have your clicks in, in the in the sport as with anything, but I think it's such an I don't know what the word is. Uh, embracing community mm -hmm. I think you can get that bug pretty quickly yeah. where you go oh this is a lot of fun and then right. you get to see some of these top bowlers bowling and um, you know, I, I think that you have to upward swell the game that's Absolutely. get those 70 to 100 bowlers get them to do some handicap tournaments mm -hmm. and then maybe they go you know hey I'm bowling pretty well okay. maybe I'll try a scratch that's kind of what's happened with Kyle Kyle Heaty yeah like he was just like a 90 something maybe 1-0 but now he's starting to do the spare time tournaments yep and he, he wants to get better mm -hmm. he joined he went from a, a beer league to our our league tonight. Our He's anchoring Wednesday nights, which yeah. is that's Tech awesome. Klein and Ed and Jeremy was okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's like we have these three boys in our Monday league. I believe they work at Exeter, and Rob needed another team, and they just asked he asked these three boys if they wanted a bowl, and they were probably the when they started 70, 80 averages maybe. Yeah. And I mean, I forget what week we're on, but they've come a long way since then. Yeah. They throw the ball like really hard. hard. It's just finding the consistency and yeah. finding their pace because mm -hmm. they can throw nine pin drops all day, but then they get really excited and they blow by that nine pin drop. Speaking of Rob, you won't find a better proprietor. No, no he's, he's one of the best. Unbelievable. He's on our bucket list of people that we, we want yeah, to Yeah, one unbelievable Absolutely. guy right there. He does a lot for the game. And even as far as, like, bowling, I know some people say, like, you only get better bowling against, you know, the scratch bowlers and everything else. I think a lot of it, too, like, Exer, I felt like, made me a better bowler, too. And it's not just bowling with the better bowlers and being more focused, which is definitely part of it. But I noticed, too, like, you bowl against these people, and people will come over and say, hey, I notice when you throw the ball, you're you're drifting to the left, you're letting the ball come out this way. Yeah. Now you're getting advice from people that aren't your 70 to 100 bowlers you're starting to get. You know, the story I keep telling is when Josh was struggling uh, one week at Exeter and went over and asked Craig, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. You're not going to get that on a, you know, yeah. average where, you know, 80 is no the average, average. No way. And get that kind of experience. And, and people are so quick to just, nobody's saying get lost, I don't want to talk to you. Everyone's so quick to say, let me help you. Right. Even, um, and I've, I've told the story to death, um, at the last Mixed Worlds, Kate was up there struggling and she's, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, my release time. And both Amy Doobie and uh, Lori Lewis gave her some tips on slowing her feet down. And I know the last three weeks she's done like 302, 286, 297. That's awesome. Going from where she was averaging 82 after she had our second kit. That's great. So that's great. You're not going to get that on, on her Sunday Night League. She's not going to get that type of advice. Right? right. And I wonder if that would have been a thing 30 years ago either. From what I've heard, probably not. <laughs> I don't think I would have survived in leagues like that 30 years ago, like not giving high fives, not saying great shot. I just, that's how I grew up. Yeah, it was a different, different vibe. I mean, I'll never forget, you know, like nowadays when we bowl the Canadians, you know, in the world, you know, there, there's a little bit of razzing, but there's nothing yeah. major. And, no. you know, Chip Carson was telling me a story one time of Bangor of when they were bowling somebody in Carrington, it was Carrington and Bob Kelly and, you know, the five, the Fab Five that won four or five years yeah. in a row, whatever it was, and the Canadians were razzing him, like, you know, Carrington, you're going to miss this shot, blah, 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 and I guess Carrington turned around and looked at him and said, the next person that says something, I'm going to shove this ball down your effing throat <laughs> or something, and they we just... We were don't worry. Okay, <laughs> good. And they just, you know, everybody shut up at that point, yeah. and it was just, you know, it's a totally different game nowadays. Totally what was it, different. Was, it the, was it Dick O'Connell who <laughs> they were singing to? And he threw like four marks in a row, and it was an Alfie told the story. He turned around, and just went, "Keep singing." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I got a little when I, my first year at the Worlds. There was a little bit left of that, but not nothing crazy. I think it's fine. 
to a to an extent, but like, and I brought this up on I don't know how much you guys listen to the podcast, but I don't think there's a problem with like the high five or the good shot because we can't play defense. Exactly. And that was my whole thing. Like I got knocked out in the Chicha to uh, to Chicha actually. He needed uh, a spare and at the last two boxes he ended up getting it. I can't stop him. From, and I was already done bowling. Like he was the second bowler. I can't stop him from getting that. Right. It's, it's not like I could have gone up there and pushed him. Or exactly. Yeah, I exactly. thought about yeah. it, but you know, I felt like it was on camera. It was bad etiquette. Bob Lee probably would have called me out for it. So. Yeah. That's all right. But uh, speaking of you know how we're kind of like a close knit group, you guys have set up the the fundraiser for Mario. And how much did you guys end up raising? Uh, $5,325 and still counting. That is absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty cool. Evan and I just got the ball rolling with it, and everyone else did all the other work. Um, we just, earlier this year, I had lost a friend, and I did the same thing. Uh, our basketball team, we sold bracelets and raised about $3,000. So we were on our way home from Monday Night League once, and I said, Evan, like we should do this. He's like, this is a great idea. Yeah. We had a number in mind. I'm not going to say what it was, but Canopin community blew it out of the water. Well, I mean, I bought a second one because I can't follow directions. <laughs> you didn't so, do the little hearts. I didn't, so I'm like, I can't like be the only one who doesn't do it. So then I bought a second one. <laughs> and we actually, we bowl with Mario on Monday nights, too, and she came up to us and was just so appreciative. And, um, like, like how... Uh, how ironic is it that the woman that screams titties all the time yeah. is going through something like this, right. but she knows all the people she has behind her. Right. I only bowled with her. I actually met her through that Exeter League last year. Couldn't be a better teammate. Just Absolutely. always supportive. She was yeah. unbelievable. And I'm not going to lie, when I got drafted and saw she was on my team, because I'd heard how good she was and still is, and I saw that she was on my team, I was like, she's going to be so mad that I'm on that team. <laughs> <laughs> she could she, care less. And then she's... she didn't show up the first week. I was like, is it because I'm on the team? <laughs> I actually went to Brian Mayer and I was like, I can fake an injury if you want to get another bowler up here. And he was like, no, 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 I drafted you, I'm sticking with you. But yeah, when she she ended up coming in for the rest of the season and couldn't have been a better teammate and just the bowling community would be very boring without her. For sure, yeah. for sure. I was about to say I don't think there's anybody in this game that doesn't know who she is. <sighs> so if you don't know her, you know her voice. You, don't, you hear her before you see her half the time. What was um so you were supposed to come on uh, do the recording the week of uh, the pro series, the pro league, yeah. and you took, you said, you know, let's postpone it because we're going to do this. What was that like on Sunday when Mario came in? So everybody wearing pink. So at first, I had saw her come in from the pub, and I could tell she was really mad. She was like, nobody told me about this. And I was like, oh, my God, just give me five minutes. Like, we're going to have this already. And then she started crying because she was like, this is all for me. And, like, she fi it finally clicked in her head. And then we shut the lanes off maybe five minutes of nine. Evan, myself, and Nate all went up to the uh, approaches. We gave a little speech. Nate gave her a prices shirt. Very nice prices shirt. Um, and we just said, we're all here for you. This is how much we raised. And uh, what was really upsetting and sad to hear was that she had told us she at one point had almost just given up. And she said it was because of because of all the people she has behind her. That's why she's that's why she's going for this. They're yeah. gonna kick cancer in the titties, I guess. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what the feeling was like in that room. Just yeah, to, yeah, it was unbelievable. I'm sure you, you have to be able to feel that, and and yeah. and to take on something like that too. And, and you had alluded to because I was going to ask where did you get that moment where you said because there's, there's a lot of people in the bowling community, and yeah. any any one person could have stepped up and said we're going to do a fundraiser. Yeah. Where did you feel like this should be? This is where we need to step up. I don't. I don't think. 
I don't think that we ever felt the need to step up just along the lines of that you know, anybody would have done this for her. Anybody. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it was. We just, you know, we thought of it first. You right. know, and we just went with it. We weren't, we weren't going to back down at that point. Yeah. It was just, you know, it, I don't know. I mean. Because I think that's was, the problem, too, is, is if everybody says somebody else would do it, nobody's going to do it. But you guys did it. Right. Yeah. And, I don't know. I just uh, she I means the world. The universe tells you. I, I've been around Mario. I mean, she's been around Mario more a lot longer than I have. Yeah. But you know, I obviously bold mixed worlds with her when we won, and you know, we just we know her to a T. Yeah. You know, we just felt as though that this was this, know, this was something was the right we needed thing to, to do. do. Yeah. yeah. And it was just as soon as like we got in the car from Monday Night League, and I had the bracelets ordered about 20 minutes, and they were on my doorstep two days later. We also, you know, we were one of the very first few to know yeah. about it. So when we, when we came, we obviously texted her and said, you know, hey, are you okay if we do this? And she goes, oh my God, yes. And are you okay if we announce it? Yeah. And she said, this is a good time. So that's why we, not that I mean, obviously anybody could have done it. It's yeah. just not a lot of people new right um so we just decided to take it on and the some of the donations we got were unbelievable insane. totally insane what? and people that didn't even you know we we want the bracelet but we're going to give 30 dollars extra yeah. you know it's just and you know it's not about the money right. you know we could have raised twenty thousand dollars but it's not about that it's the fact that every time you go to a bowling alley you're going to see these these pink yeah. bracelets and think you know this is what we're here for. And I mean, just as far as the bowling community, we did a 50-50 raffle um, as a fundraiser uh, what, at the last time on the Bear. And every bowler, I'll word it that way, every bowler that won the 50-50 raffle, I think we pulled five numbers, I'll put the money right back that's, in. That's 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 yeah. So just, and, and I think that just goes to speak to how the... Was that the one for Matt? That was for Matt, too. Yeah. yeah. I just didn't want to steal stories. Oh, no, no, no. no, no, no. But yeah, we did a 50-50 raffle for Matt, too. Every single, Daryl won twice. Wow. And both times yeah. put the money Good back for him. So that's awesome. Um, well, it was like at the nationals, whatever you want to call it. Holbrook had come up to me and was like, I'll take four bracelets. I'll take two of each. And I look at him. I go, two of each. So when I had posted the pictures, I had posted a picture oh. of the front of the bracelet and the back of the bracelet. So we thought they were two separate things. And so he gives me, he gives me $60. And I'm like, you only need two bracelets because they're both the same. He goes, take the 60 anyway. So yeah. you have people like that that are just willing to donate to this amazing woman that like we don't know what we would do without her exactly and i just i think that's just so incredible and it just goes to speak to how that this community really is yeah and i and i think i commented on our message you guys and said you know you guys that that's what makes the bowling community so great like all the great scores are fantastic yeah but this is that next level of and that's exactly what i said in my speech i had said we all come here once a month to compete to win money but this is so much bigger than that yeah and they really did make it so much bigger than bowling which was an incredible feeling to have, knowing that we kind of started this. Right. And there's there's stuff in the works for next year. Um, we're talking about hosting slash starting up a um, walk or run 5K. Yeah. Um, we're trying to figure out logistics, all this stuff, because I guess it's not as easy as I thought setting up a 5K. Um, have you talked to Alfie Johnson at all? I have not. Because he does a lot with the Kennel Hunts for Cancer, and not necessarily for the money wise but he's worked with like nonprofit organizations he might be able to steer you in yeah. some great direction yeah that's what uh, I've talked to Amy a little bit it was actually uh, I had thought about it myself but then last week I had met up with Allie Fournier and um, she had brought it up to me and I was like I didn't think it was a good idea or something to do um, but 
I think I think we're gonna run with that. Yeah. Because I think that'd be literally a really cool thing. <laughs> literally run with it. Or walk if you'd like to. We're just gonna spec we're gonna specify run, run walk. <laughs> Um, so there's no easy transition out of that. No. So we're just going to transition. <laughs> right. So you said, Evan, that you ran a bowling center for seven years? I did. So where was that at? Bangor. Bangor. Yeah, it was a In Canada? long seven years. <laughs> <Canada>. yeah. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, I did. I started out very young. Um, I actually worked at an ice cream parlor for the owner of the bowling alley, James Milan and then transferred into the bowling alley and worked there for seven years running the bowling alley. And uh, it was fun while it lasted. It was, yeah. It's a lot, I'll tell you. Anybody that doesn't know about proprietorship of a bowling alley, it is not easy. And Jeremy, do you know anything about running a bowling alley? <laughs> it is not easy, it's, Jeremy it's knows. Not, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not easy. It is not easy. And um, it was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make to stop doing it. Yeah. I wish I felt the same. <laughs> it was uh, it, it was a long time coming, and uh, you know I obviously put in for the worlds, and you know it, it COVID happened. We were you know we I think we could have gotten it. You know we got it, and the COVID thing happened. We got the mixed worlds. I thought it ran fantastic, um, but you know it, it's more than just a game to me at yeah. this point. It's a it's a lifestyle. It's um, I'll never stop bowling. Have I stopped with the competitive as much? Yeah, yeah. I have. I have. I've toned it back a lot. I used to be right into the competitive side of it. But now, what are your thoughts on uh, Nate posting about mixed worlds going to possibly like thirty teams? Um, I know that would have. I know you don't longer. Yeah, that. it's mixed opinions. I, I like to see it move to different houses. Yeah, but it just limits it. I mean, there was talks that worlds was going to yeah. go to twenty. Which would have made us a viable house because yeah. we only have the 22 lanes. But if they're going to go to 30. I mean, that's definitely a negative to take out some houses. But in the positive is that you're going to bring in bowlers that are going to experience one of the biggest yeah. tournaments ever. Yeah. Right. And, you know, that that's a, that's a definite, definite plus. That in the end would have to wait till a team is like, no, we're not bowling anymore to get up on that waiting list. And the waiting list is God knows how long at this point. Yeah, because there's a lot of teams that jumped on immediately. But then yeah. the problem is you can get a team. Now with everybody trying to jump on, this kind of happened here, we'll get into specifics about that, but then those people who had ideas to get teams were trying to grab the same bowlers. Right. right. And then one of those teams had to drop out because they realized they were crossing mm -hmm. over the same stream of bowlers. Absolutely. Because there is a finite amount of talent that's out there mm -hmm. to be able to bowl. Yeah. And that's one of the arguments that people have, can make that, um, is it going to water down the competition? Is it just going to be good for those top few teams? Mm -hmm. You put more restrictions on. I mean, I've heard some people bring up, uh, because in mixed worlds especially, they say it's the women that win the tournament. I'm not just saying that because you're on the road. They're not That's wrong. Okay. Um, I've, been, I've heard but that as well. you put the, you know, two of the top five women on the same team, they're right away a top three team. Well, that's our team. <laughs> so <laughs> some people have talked about, cause since you have average cap for men, two men, you can't have more than two men over 120. Do you do something similar for women where you can't have, like, do you start to think that way? Like, that's where it starts to get a little confusing yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, it's... Whatever they want to do, I'm totally okay yeah. with. You know, I, I've obviously bowled in a, a decent, decent amount of time, but you know, it's. Uh, they were also talking about taking the cap away from men. You know, yeah. and I, I know Nate was talking to me about that, and you know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think that people are still going to bowl with the teams that they want to bowl with, no matter what. You know, I don't think you'll see a ton of, you know, Baker and Boudreaux and and Beauvais. And I know one year was like Godwin, Surrett, and and Barber or something like that. Yeah, I don't know how they um, had another. <laughs> but, you know, it, I just, I don't, I don't like the fact that, you know, there's some 
there's some things that happen, you know, that, you know, you got to be an under, you got to be an over, yeah. and, you know, I could be an under one year, and right now I think I'm like 119.7 at Exeter. Well, that's what I wonder, so too. So it's if like... You, if, you, if you're a 119.7 or whatever, you do you, not you personally, mm-hmm. I'm just, it, but like, if, if you're getting close to Worlds, do you not push for that, you know... That's three, the thing. I mean, you start you to know, see guys I mean, kind of throw 340s when there's right. an easy single that they Absolutely. went by left on in that game Absolutely. that didn't matter. You know, it's... You don't you don't ever want to see you know somebody have to be an under to be on a team that they want to be on. Right. You know if if you have a chance at you know bowling your best and being on a great team, you should be able to be there. If you're one of the top elite, you should yeah. be able to be on a team that has a chance to win the tournament. So you think you should just take the top team? You should be able to bowl yeah, whoever you want. To I bowl personally, with. yeah, yeah. I mean, you see, in the I mean, not to put anything on Lucky Strike, but. They have had the best team in that tournament for I don't know how long, other than, you know, like McLaughlin Truck and Trailer or, you know, there's a bunch of teams, Kingswood. Yeah. Um, At least least American teams, they're they're stacked. Look at at the amount of years Lucky's won. Yeah. They've won, what, once in the past... What eight years? Every every year I see that roster. I think they're going to win the whole thing. Absolutely. I mean, who would have ever thought? I mean, we had a great team for the internationals or invitationals this year. Yeah. I'm daily bolt out of his mind. <laughs> um, but you know, Lucky had the best team on paper by yeah. far, by far. Uh, back to that invitationals. There was a whole hoopla about women bowling. Uh, was there? I don't know if you would say that. Um, but one of the good things that came out of that is it looks like it may spur another tournament. We're going to talk uh, a little bit about that um, probably on another podcast with the Battle of the Sexes that Bob Allard is looking to, to start. But what are your thoughts on if Men's Worlds comes back to, and I know we were talking pre-podcast about vaccinations and whether or not that's going to cause problems with that, but um, what are your thoughts on just opening it up to just Worlds where you just put the best talent that you can put together? So this this is very touchy. This is a touchy subject for a lot. Do you want me to leave the room before you say? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. I mean, I, I'll just start by saying I'm not. I don't ever expect to bowl in a regular worlds. I don't like the past two years have been flukes. Um, but I never expect to, for the worlds to stray from tradition, and that's okay. We have our own thing the same weekend, and they have their thing the whole week, and it gives us the opportunity to go watch them. Sometimes it gives them the opportunity to come watch us, depending where it is. Uh, well, I guess not depending where it is. It's always in Canada. But um, I don't ever expect to bowl in that tournament as a, as a woman, and that's okay. that's okay. Like, they have theirs, we have ours. And mixed is mixed. There's two different ways of looking at it. You know, there's the way of that it's a men's tournament. This is the only men's tournament we have. It's the best of the best, head-to-head. It's a men's week. And then there's the other side of it where we're struggling to get bowlers as it is. Right. And if you can get five or six of the top elite women, mm-hmm. which is, you know, the Maddies, the Lorries, the Amanda Carrolls, the Shannon Scribners, the Glennis, the, yep. you know, people like that to be in that tournament and absolutely compete with these men, Right. I have no problem with that whatsoever. And my stance on it, again, I don't know if you guys heard the podcast, my stance on it, I think you agreed with what I had said was, uh, not to speak for you, Jeremy, was I don't think they should ever make it like mixed worlds where you have to have a woman no. on your team. However, if you have a spot open, mm-hmm. and this I actually used you as an example, Maddie, I said, if you have a spot open, and Maddie Kelly's available, and Dan Finn's available, 
and you pick Dan Finn, you're a moron. <laughs> and that's not to put myself down, but you, you have your average for a reason. You're averaging 123, Maddie. I'm averaging, am I, the best season I've ever averaged is 108. Yeah. I'm not at that level, mm-hmm. and that's fine. But you shouldn't be prohibited from picking somebody up like Maddie or Amanda or Lori. Yeah. And have to pick somebody like me because you have nobody else available, and because I'm a guy. Absolutely. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. I did ever say I did say that if I ever got the opportunity to put a team in for the regular worlds, because it's either they struggle to find teams and they can't bowl, yeah. or get a team of great women and you can run the tournament. I think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna choose to stop the tournament because right, that would right. just be insane. Good. Well, the other option would be this downside. So exactly. Yeah. And I, if I, if I ever got the opportunity to put a team together, I would 100% be there. Right. But in the future, if this COVID stuff goes away and we can, they can have their men yeah. uh, in the, in Canada and the U.S. I, I won't bowl in that. Now, I think it was Amy that said it, um, and if it's if I'm wrong, then I apologize. But I know we were talking about ACST making a co-ed at one point, and that she didn't seem to like it at the beginning because, and I can see this too, if you have a lot of women, Lori, yourself, Amanda, starting to do in the men's, is that going to start hurting ladies' invitationals? Like, would that start to hurt that? So it could also have yeah. a ripple effect through the sport in, the, in that direction as well. Absolutely. It could. I never even thought of that. So, and especially as you were saying, it's just the same weekend or similar week, around the same time. So it's usually like the guys bowl Monday to Saturday, yeah. and then the women bowl Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And so it's just, and actually, I Amy had messaged me about that last night because I said, uh, or she had said, we're all vaccinated, like we'd be able to go up there, mm-hmm. but some of the some of the other bowlers that have chosen not to get vaccinated, they wouldn't be able to go. And I, that's when I had said it's the exact same weekend. And if we made if we were to be so gracious to make playoffs, right? Um, that's on Saturday we would be able to bowl our tournament. Right. You can't so. you can't dedicate yourself to a team right. and then say hey. I made oh, the I gotta go. Yeah. yeah. And we keep you know I, we keep talking about Maddie and and Lori and Amanda, but. You know, with, even with the Canadian teams, there is a lot of good Canadian oh, yeah. women yeah. bowlers. Jill Wood, you know, uh, Tasha, you have Melissa. I mean, there's a ton that could easily compete. I mean, look at the the team that they put out of Canada. What's a team meeting? I mean, that team could compete yeah. with, with uh, men's. I mean, they have. So Remember, we had Janet and Nance on. They said that they got offered to put in a team for the Friday Night Pro League. At really? one point, yeah, they turned it down. They said that they would still, they, they felt like they could steal some strings, yeah. but wouldn't be able to put week in week out competitive mm-hmm. teams. But what what an experience though that yeah. would that would be cool. That's yeah. you know that's the biggest thing with bowling is you know the experience and and bowling with the best of the best. And, yeah, you know I, I don't know about Jeremy, but I want I want to bowl against the best always. Yeah, 100%. and you know Danny and yeah, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that one time I accidentally got drafted. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I, I I agree with with Evan or. Yeah, it's our men's worlds, but at the same time, there's going to be a point where we're not going to be able to fill the whole field. There is. You know, so why not? Yeah, and like like you said, Danny, you know, it's not the fact that you have to have a certain amount of women on the team. Right, I would it's, never do that because then you become mixed. Exactly, and if you if you have that open spot or you have a team that doesn't have a bowler or yeah. something, or your team that has twenty seven bowlers on their team, that too. Right. Yeah, yeah, we have three different teams of prices. <laughs> um, you know, there's no reason why Maddie or you yeah. know the top caliber women bowler should not be in that tournament. So it sounds, Maddie, it sounds like you said something similar to what Lori said, where she said, you know, I'm not kicking down the door and saying I need to bowl, right. but 
if she got asked. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love the opportunity to bowl in a real world. Do I expect it? Absolutely not. Which is okay. We have, like I said, we have our own thing. The guys have their own thing. And then in June, it's amazing. We all get to come together and yeah. all bowl together. No. Now, that being said, you, no, you didn't bowl this year, right? Correct. All right. So you bowled last year. You would have, if I had bowled, I would have been on your team. Yeah. I think you took How, a spot. <laughs> that, that's fine. <laughs> How was the experience? It was really cool. I, uh, I think it was Cheech that had asked me. And at first I was like, um, okay, like, let me think about it. But then I think I had talked to Evan Evans, like, you'd be stupid not to do that. Like, it's such a cool experience. (laughs) Although some of the guys had said, like... Even though I hated him. I I think, um, I think Mark Mark Ritchie had said that it was a great fill-in, but it was nothing compared to the real world's. Yeah. Like, just missing the Canadian guys and just that extra, like... I don't know. Chirpiness. Yeah, they, they, yes. they do add yeah. that rivalry. Yeah. They do. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But, like, I mean, I, I bowled a lot, and it was just, it was such a cool experience that I'm actually really glad I ended up doing. She made their team better. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But that's and what I I'm mean, saying is, you know, if she, if women can make teams better, I have no problem. And that's and like no I said, problem. Back to that whole ACST argument where it's like you put the, the better the best bowlers on your team. To, you want to put your, it's a it's a scratch tournament for yeah. anybody who doesn't know. So you put yourself in the best position to win, mm-hmm. and that means getting the best talent on your team. And if Absolutely. it happens to be a female, that's I've felt that way about any sport. When people talk about, you know, what if this team drafted a woman? I said, okay, well, if it makes the team better, what do I care? Exactly. So doing your youth bowling, Evan, you said you started 14. So did, were you bowling in like a kids league there? Yeah, yeah, in Bangor. Yeah, I only bowled in the kids league for three years, and uh, I dropped out one year early to bowl in the adults. They let you do that up in Maine? Yeah. Now, do they have the same rule in Maine that they do in Massachusetts that if you bowl in an adult tournament, you can't bowl in That is correct. The second you bowl in one adult tournament, you're done. I don't like that. Especially nowadays, I don't like that. I just feel like... Uh, who who do we have on the podcast? Was it Shu, who said we're we're hurting so much for bowlers at this point? Why would you disincentivize somebody? I think it has something to do with the schools because you can't win money. So if you bowl in an adult tournament, yeah, and that's what they said for me was if I bowl in an adult tournament and won money, I cannot participate in athletics in high school because I'm a professional bowler. Okay. <laughs> well, so you, you couldn't even play high school athlete. Nope. If really? I if I won money. Which I did. <laughs> I uh, like in our in-house tournaments. Yeah. Like when I when we'd cash. Yeah. I could not take the money. I my parents had to have it because my school told me that if I won money, that I could not play high school sports because I'm considered professional. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little absurd. Yeah. yeah. That's for a bowling league or yeah, a bowling tournament. That's what they told me. So the second that I bowled in my first adult tournament, I was. Were they afraid you were gonna get like a Wheaties contract or something? Possibly. <laughs> possibly. <laughs> hey, that would have been great. <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah, frame, framing of high school did not exactly give a crap about that. Yeah, I can't imagine. I've never heard that one yeah. before. I heard somebody say something, I forget who it was, told me that it could affect like college scholarships, which makes a little bit more sense to okay. me, especially if it's like on a huge level, like Channel 5. Yeah. I could kind of understand, hmm. but... I've never heard like a you know Framingham High or Mills High School saying like, "Hey, I heard you bowled for money. You're off the football team." Yeah, I mean it was like the state of Maine said that you know it, when, if you're a junior, you can only bowl in a junior league. There's no there's no adult leagues. Jeez. You can't bowl in an adult league in the state of Maine and still bowl in the juniors because you are winning money. Yeah, but usually you end up paying more late fees. Anyway. Exactly. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. 
from a t- from an accountant tax perspective, you're always losing money. That's Do you want me to give you the thirty five dollars back? Well, t- I mean, Tim Matera was talking about he won a state. T- he was like, I, he said he won a state tournament and lost money on his podcast. Yeah, we, we're not going to get into that. Okay, yeah. well, I oh, I used to go to the Madison notice. I used to go to the main state the uh, proprietors association meetings. Yeah, and they they were ugly. They were very ugly. I just I feel as though the the proprietors. From a per, from a business standpoint, is phenomenal. Yeah. From a bowler standpoint, it is not good. And that was one of the reasons when we had uh, Dave Chesterkov on the podcast talking about because he had the I always butcher the letters. The U- USCBA. I, I butchered names. I butchered where people <laughs> live. So USCBA. That's what it is. Yeah. And that was a bowler run organization. Mm-hmm. And, that's the way it should be. And that's one of the things. And I know it's come off the wrong way plenty of times, and I've been told that the ICBA is great for what purpose it's supposed to serve, which for the proprietors. The bowlers need something. Exactly. And I think that's what the the issue is. And then I think there's a disconnect where the bowlers feel like, well, it should be for us. Yeah. It's, it's not. And I, don't, I, don't, I think that's... I, I mean, they do... They do... They're proprietor-based. Yeah. It, it's what it is. And that's where they get their money. So they... Yes. Yeah, and it's, it's advertised as proprietor-based. Yeah. Even the BPAA, because I, I was a little confused on that, too, is all... Bowling proprietors is where they base that off of. So well, yeah. they kind of work together, don't they? Yeah, so they I think they model it yeah. after that. So I don't, I don't think it's supposed to really be. But that's where I thought if we could get all of these tournaments, it's like, and that was Dave said he'd be willing to open it up because he said everyone kind of stayed in a um, holding mm-hmm. pattern. And I know there's been talks about it, but if we got something where maybe we kicked in a little bit of money and you hire somebody like Brendan O'Dowd, who can get all the data analytics and stuff. Yeah. So we talked about how great would it be for I don't know how many handicap tournaments you guys do, but how great would it be if you entered a handicap tournament? And um, you just said, I'm signing up. My bowler number is 7442. And they punch it in. Boom. There's your average. There's your house. Everything's already verified and uploaded. That's awesome. That's what Maine does. That's, and I heard Duckton does something very similar. Yeah, Maine, Maine has bowler numbers. And, you know, you have to, when you send in your entries for certain tournaments. Like, Maine doesn't do what New Hampshire does, where New Hampshire is, like, over three weekends. Maine yeah. does it throughout the whole year. Yeah. So you have, like, the singles, the mixed doubles, the doubles, the mixed teams, the teams. We have yeah. a 335 tournament. We have uh, a mixed doubles but there's a cap tournament that, I mean it's it's really cool um, but you know I've always been one where the tournament is giving back to your league bowlers yeah and tournament wise from a proprietor standpoint you should be not giving back to your bowlers but more along the lines of like you know, give them a decent deal. Yeah. You know, give, give the prize money there. Like for the Mixed Worlds in Bangor, I think we took $2 a shrimp. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not a lot, but you make your money off of your food and beverage. Right. And granted, I owned the bar at that point. And, you know, I really enjoyed it being in Bangor. But, you know, that was the first time in many years that we paid out $10,000 for a place prize. That's crazy. So, that is crazy. Yeah, but even even our tournament here, like the house gave us a deal for the hour on the bear. That's the way it should because be. it's a guarantee. They're looking at it going, if we can get eighty eight bowlers in here, if I can, you know, if I can guarantee mm-hmm. over a thousand dollars, I'll fill this pretty much eighty eight. When you add in the, what they get for buybacks plus the beer, they're making oh, absolutely plenty of money. Yeah. And then a lot of times people bring their kids, they go in the arcade, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's like they know that there's money to be had. Yeah. If you also notice, we never do them in like February because right. it's our busy season. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's always when it's like June or May. And when the I, best the best part about that is coming into league the next night and everybody's talking about that tournament. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the buzz is there. Yeah. Yep. So they they can't wait for the next one. And that's so. and that's what I think. Uh, I think you know you do offer those discounts and you get more people to bowl because they see the prize money. Mm-hmm. Did you say it was Helen? That's it. If you guarantee. Yeah. 
guarantee your prize fund, the balls will show up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's a big part of it. Because I want I want to debate. It was a singles knockout that I did like I don't know twenty years ago or something like that. And I was like, oh, I was going to pay out X amount per spot, like a spot per however many four ball or something like that. She goes, guarantee five hundred bucks. Like I don't have five hundred bucks. <laughs> she goes, guarantee five hundred bucks, and you'll have enough. Okay. And it's I, scary. I, I got I got sure. Sorette to show up. I got Zappy to show up. Yeah. I, I got a bunch of guys to show up. I was like, holy crap, that actually does work. Yeah. And that's why I said to him, I said, guarantee the money, the bowlers will come. Yeah. You know, we did that. We started getting sponsorship. But back to getting like a USCBA type thing. If because the problem is once you start getting sponsorships. As long, if you can't give them something that's sort of like you're starting to get tax issues. Exactly. Well, if you have a nonprofit organization like a USCBA or something like that, mm -hmm. everything can kind of go through them, and then they can funnel the prize money out. They can have the you know a tax. Absolutely. Issues. And you know, I, I talked to Nate about it a little bit too. It's like he said the Pro Series are probably looking at something like that as well. Mm -hmm. We could all kind of be under one umbrella. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think. Mm -hmm. What was? Do were you a member of that? The USCBA. I think so. Well, how much did it cost? Um, it wasn't much. Yeah. I want to say it was like 15 bucks. Yeah, it's oh, not wow. bad. And, that's, and if you even go up, say go up to 25, you get more bowlers, start those entry things. I think, mm -hmm. I think we could probably take that game to the next step. Oh, I absolutely. think absolutely. I think you'd also get a lot of house bowlers that would just sign up because it'd be cool to have like their own. Mm -hmm. They'd be, because you'd be ranked and everything else. Yeah. So. So you you started a little after you or a little before you turned fourteen, Maddie. I did, yeah. Um, I started bowling in the Pilgrim Youth League when I was four. I would show up. You wouldn't believe it, but I could not bowl in anything but a skirt and tights and my bowling shirt. And uh, there was every year the kids league in March. We travel to Canada. We take a fourteen hour overnight bus trip and. Um, there was one year that my mom forgot to pack my skirt and I threw a fit and I had to bowl. My shirt came down to my knees, so I bowled in my tights and my and my bowling shirt. And I think that was like when I was younger, that was probably the best year I bowled at that age. But um, no, I bowled in that until so I- So now she's got 50 pairs of leggings. And yeah. <laughs> I'm broke. Yeah, then every once, in a while, yeah. every once in a while I see you sell your- Oh yeah. Like, fire sale and you're like Evan will be happy and yeah. <laughs> then I just buy more but um, no I bowled at, at Pilgrim till I graduated high school um, and then I actually didn't bowl for like a couple years I didn't really get involved and in, I guess what you would say the pro stuff for a couple years and then I think it was the year that um, the ladies internationals was at 1710 I got asked to bowl and then that kind of got my name out there a little bit. And then the next year I was bowling with Kim, uh, Christy Moore, Mario, Sonia Rossi, Sonia Johnson. And um, then from there I kind of just kind of took off from that point. So were they the ones that kind of brought you in? Absolutely. Like, took, took you one Yeah, game? absolutely. Uh, I bowled, I've been bowling with them, I mean, not recently just because of COVID, but um, that's a team that we've kind of stuck with. And that's what my mom always tells me is like, there was a lot less drama back in the day because it was like, you were on a team and you stuck with that team. You didn't change, you didn't you didn't pick someone up, you didn't drop someone, you, just, you were on that team till someone said, I can't bowl anymore. <laughs> and that's when you'd either A, pick someone up or your team would just kind of fall off. Right. It's funny you brought up Christy Moore and we talk about the women bowlers yeah and then that brings in my head like Lynn Thompson yep 
Like, yeah. Those are two of the highest caliber bowlers right there, and they're not bowling anymore. No. It's a sh- See, I, I had heard that Lynn was starting to bowl again. Is she? That's what I, I heard. heard. She, I, I she heard was rumors in, about She was that, injured, right, or yeah. something? She had a, a motorcycle accident. Yeah. yeah. She's the only, I know I always talk about Lynn the Bear, she's the only woman to ever place and make money in a singles out on the bear event. It was the very first one she came in third place. Yeah, that's great. And And she was unbelievable. I remember her when I was younger. I'm still young, but younger. And to be uh, young. That doesn't make me feel (laughs) (laughs) And uh, she was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Very smooth. I think it was Mixed Worlds at uh, Park Place. I think that was my first year. Yeah, very deliberate approach. Very smooth. Say. Yeah, if I, she I could ever get back, if she ever decide, or has the physical ability and the desire to get back in the bowling, it would be so good for the sport. Oh, absolutely. I want to say she had a chance to pull a, a Janet Pock moment for Comcast, where like she was, would have been able to qualify for the championship show. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, completely makes sense. Uh, she definitely had the talent to do that. So, uh, question for me that we didn't post on this, but I was told I was allowed to ask. Uh, Evan, what's your favorite 700 series you've ever thrown? <laughs> What's my favorite 700 series? That you've thrown, yeah. For five? For five. I've only thrown one. Oh, so let's talk about it. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeremy's sitting over there rolling his eyes. Uh, I threw one in, at Old Town Bowling Center in Maine. I threw my high three, my high five, my high ten all in the same day. Yeah? I went 497 for three, 797 for five. Wait, how high? 797. So you, okay. Jeremy, you haven't thrown a 700. <laughs> no, hold. Oh, that's like do you 100 pins. That's this crazy. Podcast? Yeah, you don't listen to this podcast, do you? It's every podcast. I, they talk about uh, Jeremy's never thrown a 700. Uh, I, have two, I have two 690s. Uh, yeah, that's like 100 less than his 797. I am very aware. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to pull out my calculator for that. <laughs> that's insane. I, I just, I always have that one, that one string, that yeah. 110. Yeah. Oh. I just so you all, sorry, and I'm not even making fun of you at this point. So you have one seven hundred, you'll, you'll be and it's seven ninety seven. Seven ninety seven, yeah. That's a big gap between your second highest. I don't highest. pull many five stringers. The oh. Maine doesn't have any like five string leagues. It's well, weird. You guys like are it's all we have well, uh, five string league. I want to interested. Absolutely, uh, we bowl one in Exeter, and uh, I think I had six ninety something a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it was the week we were... Jeremy, I think I already had it, right? I already beat Jeremy. It was a couple weeks ago. It just so happened to be the week that we were bowling ahead because we were going on vacation. I like, nobody's going to believe And me. it was like, nobody's <laughs> going to believe that after your 500 the week before. Yeah. So I have to ask the question. It didn't 100% come up, but what was Sonia Rossi asking? Oh, God. What, uh... I told him not to ask. I know, but then they said they were an open book. Was this oh, Sarah Moncton story? I don't know. We'll go. We'll go with that story because I guess that's just. Um, that's a good one. We'll back up a little bit. So this was the year that Evan had asked me to bowl with him in the Can-Ams. So we didn't really know each other, and his partner Brooke was pregnant, or she had just had her baby, and so he needed a partner. Asked me to bowl. I was like, okay, well, I don't. I know you, but we're not friends, so like, let's be friendly and like talk, I guess. So um, we bowled in that tournament. Everything was great. Um, and then come November for the Worlds, we were in Canada, the guys were in Canada. So right before we had left, my mom had said, it's supposed to snow on Friday. Don't drive to Moncton. I go, yeah, okay, mom, see ya. And so um, we ended up going to Moncton. Lesson learned, listen to your mother. Um, <laughs> We got there, everything was fine. It started to snow, but we're like, let's give it a couple more hours. 
we left around two o'clock and it was just the snow was awful like couldn't see we didn't even make it five minutes on the road and our five minutes on the highway and we veered off the side of the road and it was myself Sonia AJ and Katrina Campbell and Katrina was driving and once she once we got off the road she was like, I'm not driving anymore. So she, uh, AJ went into the driver's seat and we just kept driving. And apparently the uh, tolls or the bridge to go to Nova Scotia was closed. So we got off this random exit, had no idea where we were going and end up on this side street and we got to go up a hill. The car won't make it up the hill. So again, kind of veering off the side of the road and we end up, Sonia and I get out of the car and AJ has her has their foot on the gas and Sonia and I are in the back pushing, like trying to get this car up the hill. And all of a sudden this, like, I'm like, there's never, a car is not gonna come on this street. We're gonna be stranded here forever. We're gonna get to eat by a moose or something. <laughs> and people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were that night. <laughs> and all of a sudden we see this car come by and I'm like, okay, like we need to stop this car. We need help. And it ended up being um, Harold. Um, Harold's last name. Harold sorry. Brown. Harold Brown. Well, she sorry. texted me that night and she goes, I'm pushing a car right now. Like, I don't know what to do. So I knew that Harold and Nikki, Harold was used to be a really good bowler. Um, he bowled with me many years in Bangor and they were heading to the same spot to watch them bowl the next day. So I said, where are you? And he goes, we're behind this car and they're pushing this car. I'm like, pull over. All right, well, I said, this is my story. Let me tell a story. And um, waiting for him to go, so I'm thinking I gotta get a new bowler. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, the car ends up pulling up and I go, oh my God, it's Harold. And so Harold gets in the car, he drives trucks. So we're like, all right, we're good now. So we finally made it back to Halifax. And in the end, it ended up being like an eight or nine hour drive from where Moncton, we're at, Moncton to, Halifax. to Halifax. And it was like, the we didn't get home till like two in the morning. It was like the worst night ever. And then we had to get up and bowl the next day. And it was just like, and this was, I mean, that was the weekend actually Evan and I had started dating too. And so that's like, so I went to go watch him and then he came the next morning to surprise me to watch me. And it was just, I'll never drive to Moncton ever again. <laughs> Even in June. Just Even in June, I'll never drive again. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> so one of the questions I got asked since we were talking about mixed worlds, uh, if you could have a dream eight person roster, I'm assuming it's five men, three women, it does not have to be, um, you don't have to be on the team or you can be on the team. Who, who's your top, who's your uh, eight person roster? All right, I'll go first. And I actually asked my dad this question, so I have my dad's team too. Okay. Um, so my team would be my dad, uh, Peter Flynn, Craig Holbrook, Bobby Witt, who at this point is entering another prime. I was gonna say, um, which prime are we talking? Right? Uh, Tim Matero, I have to put my mom in there, and Amanda <laughs> Carroll and myself. It's a good team. Tim, your name got mentioned, so you don't have to be all pissed <laughs> off at this point. You can uh, see yours, and then I'll tell my dad. You know what's tough? Because I didn't really see the best of the best. Yeah. So I, I saw the world in Bangor a few times, but, um, you know, just from hearing stories, uh, I got to go Peter Flynn, Charlie Mylan. Can't be from Maine and not say Charlie. <laughs> I will tell you right now, Charlie Mylan is top two ever of yeah. all time. He was... Uh, from videos I've seen, unbelievable. Totally insane. Um, Tommy Olsta. I told you to write it down. <laughs> you know, I gotta say Chris Sargent. 
he uh, Chris was unbelievable. Yeah, um, we need a strike. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Women wise, you got to go Stacia. I'd have to pick Madison. She Madison's doing a lot of bowling. She's up there. Yeah, she uh, she throws a hell of a ball. I feel, like you're, I feel like you're off. obligated to say that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, what's that? Seven. That's six. That's six. I think you're missing a guy and a guy and a girl. Oh boy, Carrington. Pretty much that whole first team of that that yeah. world year. <laughs> it's just unbelievable that they could Sorry. go up with five guys. I can believe barely ball three strings, let alone a whole week. Oh, I've said repeatedly on this podcast. Oh, I, I thought it was dumb. That I have no that. idea how they did it. And because you go up there, you throw the first ball, you tear your bicep, your whole team's out. Exactly. And uh, well, they went up with six. They had they, they had used five. To go, they used to way back when they used to only go. Yeah, five. and then they picked up somebody. Was it Don Riley? Yeah, Don Riley. It might have been. And uh, Bobby was telling me that Peter went out of the 12 matches, it was like 11 400s. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. Like, he, he averaged like 134. It's crazy. I think Holbrook yeah. was telling me the same story. But it's tough to pick, you know, the best of the best. Everybody has good oh, days, yeah. everybody has bad days. Well, that's what they say, like the Mount so, Rushmore, it's always going to be. Exactly. No, you, you, you said Charlie would be top two in Maine. Who would be the other? Did you say Maine or anywhere? Anywhere. No, I, anywhere I think personally, okay. yeah, him and Ulster. Holster was crazy. But I, didn't, I didn't get to see Charlie really oh. at all, just being down here. Yeah, I think that's with Channel 5, like, it, it, it's great to have those tapes, but I feel like a lot of it's centered around, like, Mass and maybe some New Hampshire bowlers. Mm-hmm. And we don't, like, who are some, and this is rhetorical, but, like, I'm sure people are, are screaming if they're listening to it, but, like, who were some of the, other than Charlie, the top main bowlers of, like, the 70s and 80s that we never got to see? I mean, you got Charlie, you got Russ Neely, you had Al Joy. I mean, even, I mean, Matero's old. I mean, but he, <laughs> he uh, you know, Matero's up there. You know, Sean Morrison. Um, I know a lot of people don't like him, but he, I mean, he's I, unbelievable. He's I, a great I said, bowler. I said to him about about Tim. I'm sorry, but anyone who has a 200, a 500, an 800, yeah, is yeah. I mean, he got top. really lucky. Absolutely. <laughs> Timmy, I love you. He's gonna have to be. On he the did podcast. that. In he's probably he did that in a sweater too. Didn't yes, he, he did. His 500 was in a sweater. Yeah, but Tim is um, he is my number one for team bowler. That guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. He is such a great guy and he jokes around a lot, but when it comes down to it and you need a mark in the last two boxes, you'll get it. He's one of them. Who do we talk to about uh, mixed worlds where at the end he pulled everybody together? Well, it was Lori. Yeah. Where at the end of the, like the, it was either the last ring of the semifinals, how he pulled everybody out. He's like, we're going to go out there, we're going to have fun, don't put yep. so much pride. Like, I think it was right before the finals. Right before the finals. Final, I can't yeah. remember if it was semifinals or finals. And, I, and we had Nate on the podcast before mixed worlds, and one of the questions I said, you know, he's a relatively young captain as far as having a team. Yeah. Are you looking at Timmy as somebody who's like a co captain? He was like, absolutely. Yeah. Like, even Timmy's a great bowler, but I think it was more important to have him as somebody else that can kind of see, mm-hmm. like you brought up Chief before, where it's somebody who can kind of sit back and also see, yeah. you know, yeah. okay, this guy, even if they have a good score, maybe they're not hitting the object as much. There's some lucky breaks to pull them out, get somebody fresh. Yeah, in. absolutely. Somebody like that. But uh, another one that you you need a mark in the last two boxes and they'll get it from experience, I will tell you, is Dave Godwin. Yeah. <laughs> and that is, that is from experience. Didn't he do that at Mixed World? Dave, do you get it? Oh, it was against my team. Was it against your team? Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to bring that up. What an unbelievable finish that <laughs> oh, was. It, it, it was, was easily it, the best match I've ever had. That was insane. And so many people stayed and watched that match. Yeah. And it came down to the last two boxes. We and had, yeah, we left, and it was, I saw it on my phone after the mm. fact. I think Jess we, Bain had gone live or something yeah, and posted yeah. a video, and it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. It and was I a mean, heartbreaker for sure, but he deserved it. Those two monster balls. Unbelievable. 
So my I mean, last. To be fair, though, not to cut you off, sorry, but I mean, you you put your team in a in a situation to win. Yeah. I mean, you you threw some monster balls yourself. Yeah, I mean, I I bowled very very well that week. I think I was like one twenty six or one twenty seven, but. You know, we, we put a team together to win, for yeah. sure. And uh, it came down, you know, I had all the faith in in Morrison at the end. You know, he had As one so, should. I mean, yeah. he easily the top, easily in the top ten in Maine, for sure, of mm-hmm. all time. I agree. And, uh, he, I mean, can't ask for anybody different, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I, Tim was saying that I should have been anchor or, you know, whatever, but I wouldn't have changed it. I wouldn't have. You could run it back with the exact same team, same lineup, and get a different result. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, those are absolutely. Solid to all teams. Absolutely. Um, so this question is for you, Maddie. Uh, how many Mike's Hard Lemonades can you drink in a half hour? Six. Six. <laughs> I didn't know that never was going to be so definite. Did you, like, practice beforehand seeing that question, or did you just... Um, no. Well, I saw the question, and it brought me back. It was a 4th of July party, and Freshie had picked me up. And right before he picked me up, I texted him. I said, I'm not going to drink today. Like, i got to work tomorrow. And then I got in the car, and I was like, screw it, and got to wherever we were going. And it was, like, lights out in about 45 minutes. <laughs> I can't drink that many. I'll get a tummy ache. I can't either anymore. It's I not use, the alcohol. It's the, yeah, it's the yeah. acid. I used, I used to be fun. <laughs> well, this is like when he texts me at like 9 o'clock and I'm already in bed. Yeah. <laughs> or like that night when Danny and I were going back and forth and you all got like woke 100 up like, messages. There's so many messages. Hold on. <laughs> oh, I have to catch up. At a certain point, it became intentional. I was I like, did. I want oh, to see yeah. how long it He has to read this whole thing. And every once in a while, we have to say your name. So you have to stop and make sure like, it's like this is an interesting <laughs> I a little upset that you didn't bring the eight by ten autograph oh, picture I'm of yourself, sorry. but yeah. I, don't, I don't think Evan wants that on the mail. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually finish up with my typical question, like who was your favorite bowlers to watch? Like, so that's it's. T- I mean, I have to say my mom and my dad. Even though I was, I'm the second born, and I never got to see my mom and dad like in their prime. Like every. Every day, pretty much, you hear my dad in his little perch in the kitchen. He's watching himself bowling. He'll always come in the living room and he'll show us, oh, you got to watch this strike. And it's just, I mean, he sh- comes in and he shows us his 200 games. I was about like, to say, so far, he's the only one I know of that has a televised 200. Yeah. Um, so he comes in and shows that to us. Um, my mom wasn't, I mean, my mom was a great bowler, but she wasn't as... Like, she wasn't, I guess, considered one of the big female names, but I remember the very first video I ever watched of my mom bowl, her first ball was a lob. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess this is how we're going to start. Because I guess they had, I think his name was Ralph. Ralph, yeah. And my mom always said that Ralph loved when she showed up because he could just call lobs all day long. <laughs> but I do have to say it's definitely my mom and dad, even though I never got to really see them compete. I don't know if I have a favorite bowler. You can just say me. It's okay. I thought he was going to say Tim. (laughs) Tim's fun to watch when he's bowling good. (laughs) Now, when Tim Tim comes on the podcast, he's going to say himself? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Tim has a few sayings that is very, very funny. Um, He once told me at the World, because I was captaining... A team, uh, it was MD's main event, but you know I had a decent amount of say. And then he looked at me and he goes, "Evan, he goes, I don't care where I bowl. He goes, as long as I bowl fifth. <laughs> oh, that's something Tim would say. Um, he he has just, I can't say enough about the guy. He just he's a great friend. I've known him forever, yeah. and 
you know, he's an unbelievable teammate. I'll say Tim. You know, he's I love the witness. You, uh, <laughs> he's just I just love him. He's a great guy. Great guy. I think I had saw a question on Facebook. Uh, I think Daly had asked it about like what was your favorite moment from Mixed Worlds and what was your like take what are you gonna take away from winning both tournaments? Um, being on a team that being the team that we were, you always hear about those teams that you have to pull someone out because they're not bowling well. They don't want to get pulled, but you have to go pull yeah. them. With that team in June, if you were bowling bad, you pulled yourself. Yeah. Like, we were that type of team, and it was just, like, Evan was the captain, but it just made his job so easy. It was just, I mean, I think on Sunday, I think I bowled a game and a half. Yeah. Because I, was, I bowled one game, I think I threw a 95, and like, and I threw another half, and I said, take me out. And I didn't bowl the rest of the day. Yeah. And I think that's so important with for, like, when you're on a team is just knowing, okay, no, I don't have it today. I'm going to sit out. And it's tough too, because when you're struggling and you're at the level that the three of you in this room are in, um, when you're not bowling well, you want to bowl out of it. Right. And it's, it's yeah. tough to sit and go, yeah. I only threw a 99 today and that's all I threw all day. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, you have the caliber to come back with, mm -hmm. a, you know, a 130 plus 140, whatever the game may be. And to, to, for the better of the team, say, I have to take that pride aside and sit down. Like, that's putting the team that's, first. Yeah. And that's a team right there. Yeah. Was, and I think that's what that's what won it for us was yeah. it wasn't like Surrett. Surrett, he pulled himself a bunch of times that, that during yeah, that sucked. tournament. He was awful. <laughs> but, no, it was just it was such a fun team to be a part of. There was no drama. If you were bowling bad, you pulled yourself. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think Evan put me in for two boxes, and I said, nope, and I did not step foot on the lane again. And I was okay with it. And I think that, um, I think Amanda had actually said it on, sorry, on your, on the other podcast, was just, You like, can say their names. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not Voldemort. Was okay. just, um, <laughs> she said, when I stopped worrying about how I was doing and started worrying about how my team was doing as a whole, even if I was bowling bad, my team was still winning, and that's okay. Yeah. And like that's what happens on our Sunday team. There's one person that struggles, and it's yeah. not always the same person. But there are other teammates who are there to pull them out of it and take the points. Yeah, even even going back to bowling at Exeter, you know, I bowled with Brian Mayer, Mario was on the team, yeah. Josh Rio was on that team, which by the way, another great. I mean, that whole team was. It was it's a fun team. It was yeah. a fun team, and Erica Flood also, I think, was the steal for that year. Yeah. Because um, she was the last pick. I went in the third round. He definitely made a mistake. Thought it was somebody else for sure, but. <laughs> Um, but the thing that was great about that team was even if I was struggling or didn't have that, you can't put yourself in that. Right. I always knew I had a whole good team behind me mm -hmm. that was like, all right, guys, I need you. Yep. You don't feel like mm -hmm. it's always on you that sometimes in like a house league, except for your team on Wednesday, Jeremy, mm -hmm. that you have to put it all right. on you. He stacked his team. It's a <laughs> handicap league, Jeremy. Yeah. So yeah. How, it's supposed to be a fun league. and you yeah. have everybody how's, that, how's that working for us right now? <laughs> well, maybe if your team showed up once in a while. <laughs> the last three weeks, we haven't given less than like 52 pins. <laughs> <laughs> and but, that's, what, uh, that's what Mike tell, uh, Mike McGinty told me on Sunday. I think I threw. I had like a 90 game, and I get off the lane. And he said, "Don't worry, we got you." Yeah. And, he, and Eddie Woodside and Mike bowl fourth and fifth, and they had us. Yeah. And, and Mike's Mike McGinty's been bowling out of his butt lately yeah. in that league. You wouldn't know it looking at his Facebook posts. <laughs> <laughs> it's just he like he shows up at the right time, yeah. and I mean he's pulled multiple games in the last two boxes, and it's knowing you have a teammate or teammates like that that you can rely on. 
that's probably the coolest experience you ever get to get bowling part of a team. Now, you had brought up your dad with his 200. Did you feel, I feel like you made quite the name for yourself already. You're considered one of the top, if not the top female bowler in the game today. Did you ever feel like you had your bowling in his shadow a little bit for a while? No. Um, my parents were always like, if you want to do it, do it. If you yeah. don't, don't. Like, they were like that with any sport because I will say when I was growing up in the kids' league, bowling wasn't in the forefront for me. I played soccer, I played basketball, and soccer was always Saturday mornings, and that's when the kids' league was. I was about to say, I figured you were one that played like a plethora of yeah. um, so, like Soccer would be at 10 o'clock, bowling would start at 9, 9.15. I'd go bowl one game, and then I'd leave and go play soccer. So, And I think that's what you're seeing now, too, is there's just so many other sports out there, yeah. and parents have to bring their kids to sports, but my parents were never like, you have to be a bowler, you have to yeah. do this, you have to do that. Um, people always say that I have my dad's mule kick. I got my <laughs> I got my dad's speed on the ball, but I have my mom's accuracy. So yeah. I like that I have a little bit the mix ball. of both of them. Um, but my parents were never they would never pressure me to say you have to bowl. You have to like I want you to be a professional bowler. Right. Um, I mean that's also one way to discourage you from doing it. Oh, for yeah, sure. and I mean I didn't like I had said I didn't when I got out of high school I had no desire to bowl and then yeah. it got asked to bowl in a tournament and it's just kind of taken off from there because even we had dead on and i forget what the area he was talking about uh Declan was talking about the area that they were living in had in the 70s like a million kids yeah and then like 10 years later it was five hundred thousand. and then also like soccer used to when i was growing up um and i'm not even as old as jeremy <laughs> soccer was one season it, yep. was, it was a fall sport now kids it's are fall playing spring in, winter and indoor yeah. in the winter so it's yeah. now you're competing with yeah. four season sports and they're yeah. then they all have camps and yeah. everything else so it's not like you just have your season and so. I think that's why you struggle too with finding the adults to bowl in any league too it's yeah. kids got to get to the yeah. to the sporting right. event somehow um, but no I uh, I don't think I was ever I don't ever feel like I'm in my dad's shadow people always say like I bowl like my dad I yeah. look like my dad but um, no I, I was lucky that I never got pressured into to doing something, you doing didn't something do. I didn't want to do. I mean, whenever I would bowl in the kids' league, my dad, I never liked when my dad was watching me just because he would tell me how to play a shot, and if I missed it, he'd turn around and, like, you tell he was disappointed. But he just wanted me to be good, like, be better. Yeah. And, um, that was when I was a kid, bowling just, bowling wasn't it for me. But now it's like, that's pretty much all, all we do is bowling and work, I guess. I don't want you to feel left out, Evan. Did you feel pressure bowling in Cole Frey's shadow? Um, no, <laughs> not at all. No, he was my best friend at the time, so there was no problem there. He definitely had his moments, I'll tell you, on the candle pin for kids. Oh my, so I remember, I was there for that. He that, was unbelievable. It was like the oh first... Oh man, I was only joking, it became a real answer. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the first triple strike. I forget the game that he threw, but it was just unbelievable. Yeah. And he was like this little short kid that had... I mean, he still has the same approach. He throws the ball a little harder, but it was the exact same approach, and... It was. I think he was like twelve. I think he was like twelve yeah. years old, and he threw a triple strike and the highest game the Kenwood kids had ever seen. Yeah. It was the coolest thing ever. She was talking about she that. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. So. I'm gonna flip the script here and ask you guys a question. We're not allowed to answer questions. <laughs> oh boy. Um, as I've come out of the competitive world of bowling and more into the fun world of yeah. bowling, do you feel as though that there are some bowlers that, as they drink more, they bowl better? <laughs> because that's how I feel. I do. I think, um, 
I think if some people bowl, like there's one person that comes to mind for me, this, and that's Baker. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean that was that the was guy's unbelievable. He could bowl sober, yeah. he could bowl drunk. I, and I, I said to Janet on the on that podcast, it was, this was you know early 2000s. It was it was Baker and Mikey Morgan that like. Between yeah, the two of them, yeah. would polish off a thirty rack in the in the parking lot, and, be and then exactly. Yeah. Well, I told the story too. We one of the out on the unfortunately uh, didn't ultimately end up making it, but Baker and McKinley had signed up for one oh, of the other the And I said to Jeremy, I said, "Hey, Baker and McKinley just signed up," and Jeremy went, "Huh." I'm gonna order another keg of beer. Yeah. <laughs> but we're we're. Uh, I think there's a sweet spot. There is. There's a very very. And I've been on both sides of that sweet spot where some. I, and I think it, a lot of it is uh, nerve calming as well mm-hmm. because I think we've all overthought shots or you feel the pressure, especially if you're not one of those top top level bowlers. I mean, Baker, McKinley, those guys are. But I think for some house bowlers. A little bit kind of takes that edge off a little yeah. bit, but then I've seen them do that one more, especially um, even like a bank. You guys have hard alcohol up there, right? Yeah. I think that can that slope can hit a little bit faster. Oh, absolutely. Because I even found that with myself with Exeter, because Exeter has hard alcohol as well, yeah. where um, I'll start bowling well, then I'll feel the buzz start to go, and then I'll go grab Daryl, we'll do a shot, and then I realized that was probably half a shot too much. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. No, I, I just, as I as I bowl nowadays, you yeah. know, back back when I was bowling halfway decent, yeah. you know, I, I would never even think of having a sip of alcohol at all. Yeah. And, you know, I was, you know, winning a lot of tournaments, and then... I took a good year off for COVID. Yeah. And now it's like, I just want to go have fun. Like, let's go to a tournament, have fun. Working at a bowling alley, especially with so many leagues that we have, you become, I don't know if you felt the same way, did you work at a bowling alley? Okay. So you almost become a therapist for a lot of people. And the biggest advice I can give a lot of people is you have to find the fun again. And if this game is no longer fun, it's going to be miserable. You're driving everywhere. Um, You know, a good example, not that I like losing, but I drove an hour and a half because I had traffic to Eastbrook field the ball Steve Reno and got swept that's not but yeah but he's such a great guy yeah so to just to, and I never bowled against uh, and he's one of the guys that I think should be in the Hall of Fame and to have the chance to bowl him one-on-one even though I did lousy I could take something away from that same I had a chance to bowl against Steve Reno you have to find the fun yeah and whether that's having a couple beers not too many but whether it's having a couple beers I think you I think this game you have to find the fun whether it's whether it's competing or whether it's in just a, uh, a fun house league. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky or not lucky in some manner to be able to do the sport we love and be able to have a couple drinks. Yeah. You know, a lot of professional sports, they you can't drink. No. Right? I don't see Mac, Mac Jones having a... Yeah, having a toddy on the side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I just... You know, I've come to I've come to realize that this game is is a lot more yeah. than just bowling. Oh yeah. You know, it's 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 the friendships you build and and that kind of thing. I used to be a hothead big time. Yeah. You know, kicking ball returns and and now it's and you miss a nine pin drop, you miss a nine pin drop. From from I didn't start bowling. I, I you know I told you my highest average ever was one weight. And for me, and I've said this before, especially during COVID, and that's what I miss the most. Like yeah. most of the friendships I've built have been through this game. Um, I, I consider Jeremy one of my best friends because of, but because of, I met him, I met him through here. I think. Um, and I think sometimes people, when they're having a, a slump or whatever, they lose all of that. And I've had bowlers tell me, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm done after this year. And, like, seeming like they're very serious. Obviously, we've all sitting on one-offs. Yeah. And it's like you're willing to turn away from, like, all the friendships that you've had. Not that we wouldn't be friends with you, but, like, we get to, you get to hang out with your friends almost yeah. every week. Yeah. 
or for Exeter once Absolutely. a month. Yeah. Like that's what I look forward to. It wasn't. It's not always the bowling. It's it's yeah. the togetherness. Mm -hmm. I think. COVID, I think that's what's changed. Yeah. Thirty some odd years is my dad always says you never high fived. You never yeah. said great game until that you weren't. You, the weren't, alley, you, you weren't friends yeah. when you were but, during your match. But even Tommy was on here and he had said the friendships that he he had. He said, off the is, lane though, right? Off the lane. Off right? the lane. But, yeah. But he said you you this guy I think it was worlds too like that that bonding yeah. moment that you have with those yeah. guys because those are lifelong friendships yeah well now that you brought up the like social drinking thing my dad had said when they went up they did not drink the worlds they did not drink all week yeah at, <laughs> at all <laughs> they uh waited I'm, until the end i've heard that too yeah. <laughs> they waited until the end of the week and because they were they were up there to win they weren't up there yeah. to make friends they weren't up there to hang out they were there right. for to get the job done yeah I just have one more question. Have you ever just taken out the head pin on the first ball? No. I don't think it's possible. I've seen somebody do it. Full speed, not a kid. I wanna say I wanna say it was either Frenchie or Bob Can that did it. Okay, because they can throw them. As far as I know, it's impossible. Okay. Geometrically, it's impossible. Because I've seen this argument before. I I, I believe it's a certain speed on the ball, oh, maybe and it or a curve that is like a ten pin curve. No, can do it. You know what it was? It was the one two three. Sorry. Oh yeah. It was, it was the it was the one oh, two. Yeah. Three. That's what that's what it was. No, you know, uh, you talk to Matero and he says he's done it eight times, but Matero's done everything. So yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's impossible. I don't. You, Geometrically, okay. with the way that the pins are shaped, you're either taking out the one eight, the one nine, the one two, or the one three. So later today, or the one five. Later t tonight, when we have our Wednesday night league, we're going to have a gentleman by the name of Bob Lee, who is a scientist yes. and a numbers Ask wizard. Don't know. And I will have him down there with measuring tapes and levels. <laughs> and we will get an answer. On, not it's if just it's, not it, if it's it, been it, done. It's, it's, it's got. I swear to God, it's got to be like the rotation on the ball. It's got to come in at a certain angle. Yeah. And because I mean, I I pulled a CP last year and I took out the four horsemen with a full rack I, uh, like clean like wow. like where did the ball go yeah like so I, I don't even know how this is either possible. the rack's gonna be tilted or right. something and that's a whole other thing because you know people will say like oh well, can you can you straighten the rack I'm like no, no this goes is, in the same this is this is, <laughs> right. this is this is 50 years of wear and tear mm -hmm. like I'm sorry yeah it's not gonna you know happen. adjust you, but who you bought you bowled um Salona, right? When you, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy. So Four Horsemen used to be my favorite shot um, on Wood Lanes for whatever reason I can't hit him on synthetic. And he came back and goes, well, I've done something I've never done before. I go, what's that? He goes, took out the Four Horsemen. Do that all the time. He goes, with a full rack. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's not easy. <laughs> no, I, I just stood there. I stared at the lane for like 10 seconds. I'm like... Come on, Chucky! <laughs> that was such a random question. No, but I like There's it. a big, I mean, there's a lot of talk about that. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've seen a kid. I've seen a kid do it. Oh, absolutely. Like if a, you know, a kid yes. with a ramp, but a, a adult bowler I've never mm -hmm. seen just pluck the head. Out. And all of these, well, not all of them, but videos of these bowlers, some of the best bowling, and none of them have done it. Yeah. Like you'll ask Craig Holbrook, and no, I've never. I mean, also we've Craig's all seen never it. had a two hundred, which is like Jeremy not having a seven hundred. Oh my god! But the. Uh, I've seen, obviously, we've all seen the quarter Worcester. It doesn't seem like it's that much of a difference yeah. between taking the two and the two or the three right. versus the one. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. We're going to ask. Yeah, Bob, will know. Bob will know. Oh, now I got a question. Why is it so easy to punch two, but then when you have the two oh. for a 10, why is it so hard? 
Like you mean like punch like you out punch out the Worcester. This, these are no longer questions for us. So we're gonna do a podcast where you guys are gonna interview Bob Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. But it's just, it's so difficult to pick that up for a ten. I've well, said that before. I want to say so. All right. So I mean, with a full rack, you're aiming at the head pin, and then you're you miss. You miss. So now you're aiming for those two pins. So I guess aim to miss, and then you hit it. See, when I when I aim at a pin, I just aim for right at the pin because you're, you're ninety nine percent of the time right. you're gonna miss. Right. What do you so. have? Point two six percent degrees. Bob said, "If you miss by point two six degrees, you miss the object. If you miss by one, if he's if he's listening, probably go. That's not what I said. But I believe he said point two six degrees. You miss your object. One degree, you throw it in the gutter. If you aim at the head pin and you miss by crazy? one degree, you're in the gutter." I think that's what he said. Which said. like seems crazy because one degree, you would think it's only going to move a little bit. I remember I told him, he said, how often do you think you hit the object? I said, a good bowler hits the object 80% of the time. He goes, nobody does that. And he, <laughs> no. it's, it's like in the 60s, he said. It, yeah. But I was always told 80%, but I was never... Yeah, I think, right. I think yeah, he yeah. said like the elite bowlers are like that 70%. Yeah, I think I forget who he said. One guy had 80% over a stretch when they were on like Channel 5. I forget who it was. Was it Reno? He might have, I can't remember who it was, but he did say it's very, very, very rare. I thought that that's... Oh, no, it was Putney. I think, it was, I think I it was Putney. Sound, right? Great guy, though. He was... So, but yeah, he he's our, our resident mathematician and, and statistician. So we'll, 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 we'll come back with notes. He's and literally going yeah, over let's like, know what he says. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, thank you guys so much. Hey, thank, thank you for you. having we us. Appreciate it. So that was another another great conversation that could have gone on. Actually, it did. It, it was a pretty long conversation. Well, we got interviewed at the end. We did. This is the first time that they've kind of you know thrown a curveball, and he's like, "Hi, oh, I want to, I want to." flip the switch on you guys and i'm going i'm not ready for this i was confused i didn't know if we had to like get up and then sit in their seats and they were going to sit in our seats like yeah i'm like I'm, in my head i'm going i don't have notes like what, i know what, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't prep there was no facebook comments no nothing <laughs> thanks to them for coming on the show obviously a pleasure and just knowing what is in the future for maddie is oh yeah awesome and it's also good too i know evan talked about the fact that he was more of a uh I don't say uh, uh, we'll call it a passionate bowler. He's a very passionate bowler, and, it, and for him trying to find the fun uh, in the game, I, I think it makes uh, it makes it a little bit more enjoyable when you're having fun doing what you're doing. It is if you're if you're just going to be angry and just not happy all the time, and that, I mean that's how people end up leaving the game. Exactly, it, it, you can burn out very quickly in this game. I think it's such a it's such. A, I was actually talking to somebody who doesn't bowl recently about you know why do you get so frustrated when you don't have a good score or whatever? And I said, it, it's such a, there's no defense. I know you can get robbed, but at the end of the day, if you didn't put, everybody can see where you put the ball. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if, if you're missing easy shots or if you're, you know, nine drop dash dash or whatever, or you're putting fouls up there, it's, I don't want to say embarrassing, but you're exposed. You're exposed in a way that in many other sports, you're not exposed. Right. Um, you know, if you're a second baseman, I know you're up at bat, but if you're a second baseman, there may be a whole half of an inning where you're never called upon to do anything. You just stand there. I mean, a pitcher doesn't really have that, but, but even a pitcher, you can throw a perfect pitch and the guy can take it yard. You can throw a garbage pitch and the guy chases it where in both, you're just, you're exposed up there. It's just, so, you. so it's like a right fielder in slow pitch softball. Yeah. It's for, for this sport, you're just very exposed in the sense that what what you're doing it you're up there and you're kind of the center of attention during your half or during your yeah. two boxes whatever it is it's just you and the pins and everybody sees what you did <laughs> i think jim gaffigan talks about that slow turn back to the your group <laughs> after, you know a message. and 
And I, I think we all have egos, no matter, I don't care if you're a 125 bowler or you're, you know, a 70 bowler, we all have egos yep. and we're all trying our best. And, you know, it's, I actually joked with my team on Wednesday because we only took one point out of seven and uh, Chris Welsh said, all right, guys, we did our best. And I went, that was our best. <laughs> we're screwed. I know if that's our best we ain't winning many games. Um, and I'll, you know, I should, you do that to keep up the mood light, but, it, but it's true. You're up there and it's just you, you and the pins. And I, I, I can easily see how it can become a very, uh, aggravating and in, in, uh, in tough game to, to want to keep going during the slumps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah. I had that same, same mentality, you know, four or five years ago when I know I've told you a bunch of times, I, went into like January averaging 110 and I was losing my mind. Yeah. Like I at this point I was I was just ready to tell the guys like dude find somebody else. I I feel like I'd rather just work than than lose matches for you. Right. No, I completely get that. I've been, you know, we we've all been in slumps. I don't I don't but um hopefully good things coming forward because there are a few tournaments coming up. Um I know we were just talking about uh, King of the uh, King of the Hill over at spare time is postponed until January for the holidays. So there is none in December. I do know off the top of my head, uh, December, uh, January 16th is the Webster doubles tournament. Are you bowling in that one? No, I'm not in that one. I'm not hundred percent sure. Cause they're still trying to lock down a tape date for Candlepins for cancer, but we have the pro series on the eighth, the Exeter three man teams, which I'm, bummed that I'm not bowling in it, but at the same time, uh, the pro league is the next day and I missed last month. So I really don't want to do that again. Right. You know, cause bowling two weekend days in a row is kind of tough. Right. You, you know. don't want to be super consistent like you were last time. Yeah, it was pretty consistent. So, then, you, so you take any more time off, Maddie Kelly's going to catch you for average. Yeah. No kidding. Right. <laughs> but the pro league is bowling twice. They're bowling on the ninth and I believe the 30th. Okay. So I think I want to say, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm wrong. I want to say Bron, uh, Eric Bromberg posted that the King of the Hill was on the 23rd. I believe that's correct. Which is good because I know he's been struggling against some of the uh, scratch bowlers. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he won't have any crossover issues on, um, on this one. Um, what else? Do we have anything else, you know, in the next pro series event is coming up? It's January 8th. Oh, that's right. You said that. My yeah. The, the Exeter three man teams, which I love that tournament. Yeah. You have a trophy. You. From uh, two years ago on that one. So um, I get what you're saying too. And I know, I, I think it was in the last podcast. I told you where you said, Oh, you know, you can miss one. I said, you know, if Bowen keeps ticking up the way it is, you're not going to be able to miss any. Yeah. No, it's going to go to the guys that win, you know, that show up to all, what is it? Six events. Six events. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I tell myself if I'm going to, I can't miss more than two events. Right. I just, I, and I think it's good for the sport, but at the same time, like I said, I'm not trying to pressure you on anything, but I think it's, it's going to start getting to the point where you're going to have to do five, if not six in a couple of years, if this is trending the way that it's, that it's trending. So um, we did have a couple of highs that I wanted to talk about. Um, The first high that we have, let me pull it up. Um, So Ray Dow posted that, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, Sean Canavan. Through his long overdue first 400, 133, 163, 137. Nice. That's a a, a big 400. 433. That's awesome. And uh, uh, also in our Wednesday Night League, Mike Nardone threw his high five for 649, 
his high prior to that was a 648. So he smashed it by a whole pin. Um, but what was impressive was he needed a 120 to get the his high single. I mean, his high five rather. And he did that. Got a 120 last game. Uh, got 18 in his last box. So not only did nice. he need a good last game to beat his high five, he also needed a mark in the last box with a decent fill and was able to do that. So now, did he, uh, did do you know if he knew what he needed? I don't know if he knew. The only thing is he bowls with Rob Linehan and I can't imagine he was quiet. Probably not. <laughs> no. no. So, but I also not. can't, I also don't know if uh, the number he yelled was right. Just kidding, Rob. I love you. I just want to pick on you a little bit. I know you listen, but uh, uh, congrats to congrats to Mike, and hopefully that continues into the the pro league on the ninth. And uh, yeah, good segue. Why yeah. are you rooting for him to do well on the ninth, Jeremy? Because he is our leadoff bowler. He's your leadoff. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There was only one team that had a guy lead off. I think when I did it last year. Usually, the people go with the women bowlers first too. So how did your lineup work? I was curious about that. Do you anchor or do you have Corey anchor? Corey started out as anchor, and then we switched it uh, for the, the second match. Um, so it's it's Nardone, Faye Sawyer, Sonia Rossi, Corey, then me. So solid lineup. I'm surp- I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm surprised you guys don't have more wins than you have. Just bad luck or? It's just teams are just going to town. Yeah. So you got the Phil Clough syndrome? But we have the two in 46 and two in McGinty's team. So oh, you're so, yeah, you're so pumped about that. That team is a monster team. It is. It really is. Now, why didn't you brag to Maddie when she was in the room with us that you're the one team that beat them? I don't want to be a jerk. It seems like you got a lot more courageous when she wasn't in the room. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So Maddie, long story <laughs> short, Jeremy saying he's better than you. And if you guys don't come in first, it's because of his team. <laughs> he didn't say I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they locked it up. But I'm reading between the lines. <laughs> Fine. Um, other than that, and other than trying to get you in trouble for things you actually didn't say or mean, that's all I have. <laughs> that's that's all I got. Till next time.